Good afternoon. Welcome to a Tuesday edition of Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. I'm glad to be with you on this Thursday, not Tuesday, Bill. Tuesday, we're doing uh, My Utmost for His Highest, a wonderful devotional book, daily devotional book from Oswald Chambers. On Thursdays, like today, uh, we're going through the Psalms and we're using a daily devotional book also uh, written by Tim and Kathy Keller, The Songs of Jesus, which goes through all of the Psalms, all 150 of them. But relax, it takes you a whole year to get through that, so it's okay. Uh, you have plenty of time. Uh, as because we're almost in September, tomorrow, uh, we are uh, covering the last several Psalms of the first 100, and today we're going to focus on Psalm 95. Psalm 95, it's a wonderful psalm. I love it so much. Uh, there is a song that comes from this psalm that we used to sing back in the day. Uh, and I'm not sure if it was the day when I was in North Carolina or when we were in Arlington or when we were in the youth group in San Antonio or preaching there. Who knows? I don't remember exactly. But I do remember the song, and it is from Psalm 95. If you're at Psalm 95... Uh, it is uh, almost word for word from uh, the psalm. At least the first verse I remember, there's another verse that goes along with it, but <clears throat> it goes something like this. Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol the bass part and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, he made it, and he, and he formed all the dry land. <sighs> Not quite as out of breath as I am when I do kids' time, like I will in a couple of weeks, but uh, close, close. That's the song. I don't know that very many people have heard of that song. If you have, let me know. Put it in the comments or something. But uh, that's a song that is right along with Psalm 95. And to show you just exactly how closely it is, especially to the first several verses, let's read the 95th Psalm, Psalm 95. And as we read it, listen to two things. Number one is it's a call to worship. But number two, it's also a stern call uh, to be obedient. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. See there, I told you I didn't make that up. Come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. That's the first verse that I just sang, and that's verses 1 through 5. Verse 6. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was angry with that generation. I said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my way. So I declared on oath in my anger, They shall never enter my rest. 
Well, you can see where the transition takes place. At first, it's a wonderful call to worship that's praising God and calling everyone to join in. And then it turns into a very stern warning. So let's take a look at this great psalm, Psalm 95, and uh, see exactly how this all plays out. Uh, the psalm is almost an outline of worship because it has several different stages, and this is what uh, Tim and Kathy Keller focus on. Uh, the first stage is adoration. You know, I've, I've said before many times, uh, for your prayers, you can kind of come up with a great outline. This is not original with me, but it's one that I remember, and it's ACTS. It's an acronym for ACTS, and that's not an ACTS like a hatchet. That is an ACTS like an ACTS 233. A-C-T-X 238. A-C-T-S. That's, uh, that's the ACTS acronym that I'm talking about. The first one is adoration or praise. The second one is, the second step is confession, A-C, adoration, confession, and then thanksgiving, gratitude. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then the S is supplication. That's the part where we ask for stuff, and that's okay to do, but if that's all you do in your prayer life, that's not good enough. In fact, if that's where you start all the time in your prayer life, that's not good enough either. Start with adoration, start with praise. And I get it, and I've said before, sometimes we are going through such a difficult time and our hearts are such full, filled with uh, urgency and concern and uh, fear that we uh, have to start there and that's okay. But if that's where you are all the time when you pray, you probably need to consider that. Uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, A-C-T-S. Well, this psalm is kind of that way too, but it's a little bit shorter. It's not four steps. The first stage is adoration. Let us rise up in joy to God, our creator. Come, let us sing with joy to the Lord. So it begins with joy and gratitude. God is recognized as the creator. And if you've been reading the Psalms or following along in these studies on Thursdays, you know that that's a pretty constant theme in the Psalms, praising God as creator. He is the maker and sustainer of the world, and worshiping him is very appropriate, but it's not necessarily silent. Silence can be a good thing, and we certainly want to be reverent in the presence of our God. But the idea behind this psalm is a little bit of loud. Um, shout to the Lord. We sing that song sometimes. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Uh, the psalmists, including David, were called upon to worship the Lord with great joy and adoration and praise. And so let's, let's do that. Uh, we should have a great sense of joy because certainly nobody in David's day was blessed like we are today because we know that Jesus has come and lived and taught and healed and died and was raised from the dead and now has promised to come and bring us with him one day. Uh, that is that is such a, a great, great thing. As great as our praise is, it will always fall short of the blessings that God has given us. And that's what this part of this psalm uh, says. He is worthy 
uh, verses 3 through 5 say that the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. It doesn't mean that there are other gods. It just means that some people think there are. But our God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the great God the great king above all gods. And he holds in his hand the depths of the earth and the highest peaks of the mountains. And the deepest sea is his, um, and, and the, the land is formed by his hand as well. This psalm just reeks with praise over God for his wonderful power seen, especially in his creation. Let us bow down in humility to God, the Redeemer. So the next step, first one is adoration in this one from the Kellers. The next step is confession of our sinfulness and our need. Um, again, let us bow down and worship, verse 6. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, uh, for he is our God, and we're the sheep of his pasture, the people under his care. God is not only praised because he is powerful in creation, he's praised because he cares about us. As great as he is, as little as we are still, he cares for us. It's a uh, a, a feeling that the psalmist in Psalm 8 just cannot believe. What is humanity that you're mindful of us? Uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 8. Um, while adoration comes from seeing a God of glory, submission comes from seeing a God of grace, from recognizing that this is the covenant that he has made with us. He has redeemed us and brought us like that lost sheep in the parable of Jesus. He came and found us and sent his son to die for us so that we could be a part of his family forever, for eternity. And that's that's just a great, great thing without the grace of Jesus Christ uh, and the grace of the Father who sent him, we are lost. But then comes the stern warning in the rest of the Psalm, Psalm 95, verses 8 through 11. And it's a part of the Psalm that the writer of the book of Hebrews remembers uh, long after these words were originally written. Um, verse 8, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. And we know he's talking about the Israelites during that 40 years of wilderness wanderings when they had rejected him and disobeyed him. And there were several times, including the one that he mentions here, where the people were disobedient and God acted on their disobedience and punished them for that. For 40 years, it says, God was angry with that generation. They are a people whose hearts go astray. They have not known my way, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Um, so the Old Testament says during that time of the wilderness wanderings, and now the psalmist, hundreds of years later, is remembering that stern warning, and even uh, more later, uh, perhaps as many as a thousand years later, depending on when this psalm is written, uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews remembers that as well, and the writer says in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, so as the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes that passage we just read in verses 8 uh, in, in that part of Psalm uh, chapter 95, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. 
during the time of testing in the wilderness. So I declared on oath, he later says, they will never enter my rest. And in the Hebrews, that the, the writer of Hebrews makes a big deal about that because he's, he talks about the rest that is going into the promised land. But it was more than that, the writer of Hebrews says, there's still a rest ahead for us. And he's talking about our eternity with God. And so he gives this warning, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And that's a theme and a warning that continues on throughout uh, the book of Hebrews, but especially over the next few chapters, because the purpose of the book of Hebrews is is to encourage us not to give up on our faith. The people that heard this letter read, they were suffering great persecution. Uh, they, they were going to be losing loved ones, some losing their own lives. They were threatened with jail and prison and beatings and floggings simply because of their faith. And so they were thinking, you know, it's not worth it. I'm just going to go back to my previous way, go back to, to Judaism perhaps. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't do it. Don't harden your hearts like they did when Moses was trying to lead them to the promised land. And so this part of uh, Psalm 95 is a stern warning. We have a call to worship, but we also have a call to obedience. And so we see in this Psalm, that time of adoration and praise at the very beginning, very positive, very upbeat, very joyful, shout for joy uh, to the Lord. Uh, who is the rock of our salvation. But And then there's a time of let's kneel before him in confession of our sins. And now this last element is a call to obedience. Uh, let's worship him and study his word and know what God wants of us and do that. Uh, later on in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews would describe Jesus as one who told the Father, I have come to do your will. Oh, Father, he was willing to do that, even though it meant laying down his life. And we think of how trivial some of our things are that we read the Bible and we say, oh, I just don't want to do that or I don't want to do it that way. Well, God has said, this is the way you, you should live. This is the way you should worship. This is how you come to know me. And if we turn aside from those uh, words, then we're no different than the Israelites in the wilderness when Moses was leading them and they turned against God in disobedience because they wanted to have their own way. And God promised, you will never enter my rest. It's a stern, stern warning, and we don't like to think about that. It's much better to talk about how wonderful God is, and let's praise him for his creation, and let's thank him for his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. But we forget that this part is in that same psalm, that very same psalm. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at those places in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me they tried me though they had seen what i had done they had seen the plagues against pharaoh in egypt they had seen the red sea part uh, they had seen god deliver them time and time again in incredible ways and yet and yet uh, they hardened their hearts why because that's how fierce that temptation to want to be my own God and have my own way is. 
when we read the Bible and we turn away from it and say, you know, I realize that this probably is wrong, but I want to do it so badly that I'm just going to go ahead. That's where we are. We are firmly right there with those people under Moses who turned away from the Word of God and who were told and promised by God, you shall never enter my rest. It's a scary, scary thing. It's the sternest of warnings, and yet it's right here in the Bible. Just as surely as the first part of this, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. There is also these words in the same Psalm, Psalm 95. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. I hope as you read scripture that you'll be encouraged by the great calls to worship and praise and, and that you'll be thankful and grateful to God for his wonderful grace and his wonderful blessings in all the ways that he blesses us but I hope that you'll also read and heed those passages like this one that say, don't test me. God says, don't test me. Don't try me. Don't go against my will. Don't try to have your own way. My way is better. I made you. I know, God says. Don't be like those who of old who turned their backs on me and were disobedient to my will. And because of that, they lost their lives in that wilderness during that 40 years. They never entered God's rest. I hope and pray that you'll meet a different fate. Let's close with prayer. Father, we give you praise. We shout for joy to you as our creator, as our sustainer. Uh, we praise you, Father, as our savior. You sent your son to die on the cross for us even when we did not deserve it and we are forever grateful. But Father, we praise you also today because you are the judge. You are the one who has given us your word. And it is a wonderful blessing, but it is also a stern warning to be obedient. Help us, Father, to hear those words. Help us, Father, to heed that warning, to seek not our way and what we want, but to seek what you want, to ask every time. The first question is, is this biblical? Is this what God wants? And if the answer to that is no, Father, help us to stop asking questions and just do what you want. Father, we pray that you'll hear our words of praise, our songs of joy and forever gratitude to you. And that you'll also, Father, give us the strength so that one day, because we have done what that old hymn says, trust and obey, one day we will also enter into your eternal rest. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your participation in these lessons, and I look forward to coming to you again online in our worship service this Sunday as we continue to speak through uh, Philippians. We'll be in Philippians 3 on Sunday, talking about the joy of purpose in our lives. And then, of course, I'll be with you again uh, next week on Tuesday and Thursday. God bless.